Hello, friends. I'm Luke, and I serve on the music team at Holy Family. We continue to hear stories from people like you who listen to the Holy Family podcast and consider Holy Family your church. And whether you're someone who's constantly on the go, hasn't found a church community where you live to which you can belong, or someone who's wondering about the shape of your faith, we are honored to be with you by sharing these reflections from our Sunday liturgies. We rely on the generosity of our congregation, which includes you wherever you listen, to help our ministry achieve and maintain financial health. If this podcast has been a gift to you, would you consider making a contribution so that we can continue offering resources that welcome questions, curiosities, and doubts? You can make a gift by following the link in our show notes. That's at holyfamilyhtx.org. From Holy Family HTX, an Episcopal church for people without a church, this is the Holy Family Podcast, a collection of ideas about leading a Jesus-centered life. We clearly explore the church's understandings while bringing our own questions, curiosities, and doubts, and we never demand fake agreement. Theological exploration is just better that way. So, let's take a moment of silence as we get ready to contemplate today's ideas. As Jacob just mentioned a few weeks ago, I got ordained a deacon. In the time since then, I've learned a couple things. One thing I've learned is that if you wear a clergy shirt, people will talk to you, no matter where you go, especially in Texas. So, for instance, I pulled into a gas station. I get out, putting gas in my car, a truck rolls up behind me, a family jumps out, They run into the gas station, getting snacks or whatever, leaving the father of the family out pumping gas. He and I make eye contact, and it's one of those things you you learn quickly, you know they're going to say something. You know that like they they look at you, they look at the caller, and whatever's going through their head, they're going to say something. And so I just turn back to the pump (laughs) to go about my day, and I hear him say, Father. And I turn and I look at him and I say, that's a new one. In my head, I'm like, that's, that's a new one for me. Um, and he says, God bless you. And I said, God bless you too. That felt like the right deacon thing to say. Uh, his face lit up and he said, Father, I can't wait until Jesus comes back. When Jesus comes back, everyone's going to be dancing in the streets. There's gonna be no more war. There's gonna be no more poverty. There's going to be no more illness. Everyone's going to love each other and we'll all be dancing in the streets. And I said, I want that too. So I went on my way and I felt blessed. I felt like this stranger had gifted me a reminder of all the things that we hope for. In this life of following Jesus, we hope for God to make all things new. We hope for Christ's imminent return. We look forward to it. And at the same time, Christ has not yet returned. 
In this life, we deal with struggles. In this life, we carry suffering. How do we navigate these struggles? How do we navigate suffering in the time before Christ's return? Jacob also mentioned that this summer, I am spending some time at Memorial Hermann as a hospital chaplain. At least three times a week, patients will come up to me and say things like, why would God do this to me? Is God punishing me? Or just, why God? Oftentimes, these patients are facing the darkest days of their life, either the passing of a parent, a spouse, a sibling, sometimes even a child. Maybe they have a new and scary diagnosis. Maybe they're experiencing a dramatic change to the way that they can live caused by someone else's recklessness. And now they're left to grapple with, why God? Why did this happen? And in some of these situations, the message that God will one day make all things new, while it's true, and while it gives us hope, it's not always the message that people want to hear or the message that people need to hear. I wonder if that's ever been you. I wonder if you've been the person in the emergency room, the person looking at seemingly endless debt, the person who frankly is kind of offended by the idea that there could be a good God with the world as it is. In those moments, I wonder if you've been someone for whom everything's going to be okay was simply not an okay answer. Hearing those words, everything's going to be all right, just wasn't going to cut it, even if it's true. When everything is going to be all right eventually is the message that we bring someone and the only good news that we bring someone. You might imagine why that might not sound like good news to some. When the only message of good news we bring to some people is that everything will be okay eventually, we devalue the right now. We devalue the pain that they're going through. We devalue the suffering. And when we do this, we risk overlooking the struggles of our neighbor. It's, it comes from this kind place in us. We want to jump ahead and say, but everything's gonna be okay. We want to fix it, especially in the incomprehensible moments of pain that we just don't understand. We want to jump to the end and say, it's going to be okay. It's going to work out. That's our, that's our gut reaction. And that's what we hope for. We hope that everything will be okay. And we believe that in Jesus Christ, all things are being made new. That's our hope. And yet, sometimes that answer is just so hard to hear. So I want to wonder with you today, about how we might walk alongside those in our lives and sometimes even ourselves when the suffering just seems incomprehensible. I think our passages tell us something about that today. You see, I want to ask you the question today of what if facing the problem of pain facing the, the current suffering in our life isn't really about solving the problem of evil. What if it's actually about exploring the mystery of life? Rather than trying to answer, why is this wrong? Why is this happening? 
What if we explore life together in all of its mystery? Our passage today, or multiple of our passages today, help teach us about that. Today is the Feast of the Transfiguration. Uh, That is the story that was given an account in Luke's gospel today. It is considered one of the most significant moments of Christ's life, and so it's worth looking at. In this story, Jesus, James, Peter, and John hike up a hill, a mountain. And at the top of the mountain, Jesus suddenly lights up. His face bursts with light. His clothes change into a dazzling white. Suddenly, with him, there's Elijah and Moses. And Peter has the wise idea, let's build some shrines and we can just stay here. And Jesus ignores him. Very graciously ignores Peter. And then suddenly a cloud envelops them. From the cloud, there's a voice. This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. The cloud disperses. Suddenly, it's just Jesus and the three disciples. They go down the hill. And that's the story. That's it. They go up a hill. Jesus lights up like a Christmas tree. They come down. There's a voice from heaven. They come down. That's the story. And out of all the things that Jesus did, uh, there's a tradition in theology which says this is one of the five most significant moments of Jesus' life. I wonder why that might be. So one of the main things that the transfiguration is about is God's revelation of God's self. That in Jesus Christ, God is revealing that Jesus is God. Recently, before this happens, Peter declares famously, you're the Messiah. Peter says, you are the Messiah. And in this instance, Jesus is showing, not only am I the Messiah, I am God. I am God. And I think Peter's reaction is very reasonable. I think it's the reaction that I would have. You see, our other, our Old Testament passage today talks about Moses going up a mountain. And when he meets with God and comes down from the mountain, his face is glowing. In the transfiguration, Jesus reveals himself to be the source of that glow, the radiant presence of God. And when Peter enters and encounters that presence, his response is, let's stop right here, worship forever. Seems reasonable. That's really what we're hoping for. That's that dancing in the street that we were talking about earlier. The idea that one day all, everything will be made new. That one day we'll be in the presence of God. We'll walk with God. Peter says, that's the end. That's what we're looking for. That's what we're going for. Let's do this right now. But Jesus had other ideas. Jesus descends the mountain. Jesus goes back into another direction, into everyday life. And this teaches us something about the heart of God, particularly as it pertains to suffering and facing the incomprehensible pain that life sometimes brings. In fact, all three three of our passages today teach us a similar thing. Our story of Moses. Moses goes up the, up the mountains, sees God, comes down, his face is glowing. But that's just it. God does not leave Moses at the top of the mountain. He calls Moses back down the mountain. You see, God, God is not someone who calls us to escape the world. God joins us in the world. He says, the plan is not for me to get you out. My plan is I'm coming all the way in. 
coming all the way in with you. And Moses' road wasn't easy. He didn't have these mountaintop experiences and then just get to be swept away. He got called down in among the people of Israel and his road didn't even end in the promised land. When he died, the promised land was in sight, but not in reach. We have the example of Peter. We get the passage from 2 Peter uh, after the transfiguration and beyond Christ's resurrection. Uh, God calls Peter deeper and deeper into the world, leading the church. And in fact, when he writes 2 Peter, he is en route to his own martyrdom. So God has not called Peter away from suffering. He has not called Peter away from pain. He has called him to follow. And he has said, I'm with you all the way in this. And among our passages today, most of all, Christ is emblematic of this. Peter gives the suggestion, what if we build some shrines here? What if we just stayed put and worshiped here in your presence? And Jesus ignores that and descends the mountain. And when Jesus descends the mountain, he charts a course for Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, Jesus would be publicly lynched. He would go into a place of incomprehensible suffering. Rather than escaping, Jesus said, I'm going to go to the place where I will cry, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, Jesus has been the one who questioned God in the face of suffering. Jesus' plea to God grants dignity to all of us in our feelings of abandonment and despair. Jesus' suffering elevates that suffering to a place of holiness where God will join us all the way. Because God does not ask us to run away from the world. God says, I'm with you all the way, all the way in. So let's consider Peter again. On his way to his own death, and he knows it. He says, Jesus told me I'm headed towards my own death. Why isn't Peter asking the question, God, why? You know, why, why is, isn't God saving him from the grave? Peter's not even concerned with that question. Instead, Peter points to his hope, and when he's talking about his hope, he points to the transfiguration. How curious is that? He says, I saw something on that mountain, and it changed me. Whatever Peter encountered on that mountain changed the way that he interacted with suffering. It changed the way he interacted with his pains. It didn't get rid of them. It changed how he faced them. So again, I ask, what if the problems and the pains that we face right now, rather than trying to solve the problem of evil, what if we dive into the mystery of life? Dive in all the way, all the way deep, as Christ has dived all the way deep as well. I wonder what might happen if instead of trying to solve the problem of evil for ourselves and for others, we just explored the mystery of life. I imagine we would probably find that beauty and pain are intermingled in life. If we explore the mystery of life together, I wonder if we might learn how to be with someone who is suffering without having to fix it. And as we learn this, perhaps we would discover that even in our mourning, our toes begin to tap to a song that will one day unite us in dancing.
You can find more resources to help you lead a Jesus-centered life at holyfamilyhtx.org. Again, it's holyfamilyhtx.org.